before your majestic throne and, and ask that you speak to us right now through your word. May it just penetrate deep inside of us, Lord, so that it, so that that seed will just break forth and that the roots will be deeply implanted and deeply um, held in there, Lord, so that the fruit that comes out of it will be glorious unto you. We may, we may, Lord, may we see you through your word right now, Lord. May you just um, open our ears and hearts to the instruction you have for us, for each and every one of us. I'm amazed that that you've used me in this way, Lord. But I do. I'm, I'm thankful. Lord, may I honor you with what I say and the words that come out of my mouth, Lord. And And may the, those that are hearing be able to receive it with a joyful heart. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I read a story that applies to what we're going to be talking about today. And I want to share it with you. A young, man, a young man applied for a job as a farmhand. When asked for his qualifications, he told the farmer about his previous experience, then said, I can sleep when the wind blows. The puzzle farmer, uh, this fa puzzle farmer, uh, he took a liking to this young man and hired him. A few months later, the farmer was awakened in the night by a violent storm. He ran outside to make sure everything was secured. He found the barn doors tightly shut and the shutters closed. The storage shed and machinery was already properly taken care of. That's when the farmer realized the significance of the statement, I can sleep when the wind blows. The story serves, this story serves as a great illustration for our passage this morning. You see, like this young man who was hired by the farmer, Jesus can sleep when the wind blows. In the story, in the passage we're going to be looking at this morning, there are three lessons that, that I see that can be learned within our passage. The first one is Jesus always trusted God, God's plan and purpose. The second one is focusing on storms that will only bring fear and insecurity. And finally, Jesus can sleep when the wind blows. You see, every storm that appears to be life-threatening is only meant to distract you from the safety and security you have in Christ. There's going to be many storms out there. And as a Christian, if you haven't, I mean, I think you've, many of you have gone through them, some of these storms. But again, all they are are just distractions to keep you from the safety, to distract you from the safety and security you have in Christ. Responding will fear, with fear will only re result in doubt and insecurity. However, responding with faith and trust in He who is in you and He who is with you will result in peace, safety, and security. So let's start reading. Um, I'll be, we'll be in um, Mark chapter 4. We're going to be in, starting in verse 35. If the, then the Bible's in front of you, it's going to be in page, right down here, 554. Page 554. We'll be in Mark chapter 4, and we'll be finishing out this chapter today. Mark chapter 4, verses 
starting in verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side. And this is Jesus saying this. Let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took up along since he was already in the boat. And other boats were with him. A fierce windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat had already, was already being swamped. I'm going to stop for, there for a minute and I'm going to expand on that. So after a full day of teaching and ministering, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, you know what, let's go to the other side of the sea. Let's go to the other side. And uh, I, I forgot to put the map up, but they were, at, they were talking about the Sea of Galilee. And I'll get more into that in just a minute as well. But um, he said, you know what, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. And one of the other Gospels mentions that it was only five miles away. And it's not hard to imagine that for the disciples, they would have thought to themselves, man, this is, no, it's, yeah, let's do this. You know, this is, um, this is one of the easiest requests that Jesus can ask us. You see, he was already, um, we see one of the previous chapters we covered, um, he was already on the boat. He was already teaching from the boat. So when Jesus was asking them, hey, let's just go, you know, I can only, again, imagine that it would, be, it would have been more difficult to get Jesus back on the boat had he gotten off the boat and started ministering personally to these people, to all the people that were listening. Um, you know, if you've ever been at, at that place where, or somewhere where you're just, you know, everyone just wants to talk to you, everyone just wants to, you know, just share a story with you or whatnot, um, you'll know that sometimes it's just really difficult to get away. And so when Jesus was like, hey, yeah, let's, let's go to the other side of the boat or the other side of the sea, we're like, yeah, okay, well, he's already on the boat. Let's just take off. Let's, before he changes his mind, let's just, let's just take off. And again, had Jesus gotten out of the boat, it would have been nearly impossible to get him back into it. I mean, everyone wanted to touch him. Everyone wanted that healing. Everyone wanted just to be ministered. So again, having Jesus already in the boat ready to go would have been the best thing that they could ask for. But in their haste to take off to the other side of the sea, and before Jesus could even change their, his mind, they failed to see the storm clouds that were ahead. As you know, some of these disciples were fishermen. And we, we covered in, I believe it was in, in chapter 2, that at least four of them, that Jesus actually seen four of them in this, in this fishing area of the Sea of Galilee. So they understood, they knew, they had been fishing there for years, and, and they seen these storms. They had seen, they had, maybe they've gone, they had gone through these storms that had hit the Sea of Galilee. So, you know, really, had they been paying attention, they would have easily recognized if a storm was approaching. But in their relief, in avoiding one obstacle, in the relief of avoiding that obstacle of trying to get, you know, Jesus to, oh, yeah, let's go, let's, you know, let's take off, they failed to see a bigger one that lay ahead. But let me ask you, have you ever wondered why Jesus didn't get off the boat? And why he even said, let's go to the other side of the sea? This passage doesn't specifically tell us, but what we come to find out later is that Jesus completely trusted and relied on the will of the Father. He completely trusted in that. I believe that Jesus was just listening and obeying what God had told him. You know, he's there teaching to the crowd. He was just there, you know, teaching these parables. And the Lord just spoke to him. His father just spoke to him and said, you need to go to the other side of the, mount, other side of the sea. And he obeyed and he trusted his father. You see, nothing he did, nothing Jesus did was on his own behalf. Jesus said in John 14, 10, Don't you believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Jesus may or may not have known what was on the other side or what was awaiting him. Again, we're not specifically told. We, I mean, we can read the following chapter. You'll see what happens there on the other side. And I'll, I'll get into that next week. 
but he obeyed and trusted nonetheless. Whether he knew what was going on, what was going to happen out there, whether his father, you know, revealed it to him or whether it was just something that, you know, his father just said, go, you know. He obeyed and trusted nonetheless. I believe here Jesus is exemplifying how faith works in conjunction with action. As a Christian, there will be times when you, God will ask you to do something that, may, that you may not completely understand. That is like, that you're, you're like, I don't get it. I, 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 don't, I don't understand which, you're asking me to do this, but this other, this other stuff is going on. This other stuff is happening. Or on other examples, sharing the love of Christ to a complete stranger. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you're just there and, you know, you're getting prompted from the Lord. Hey, you, this person needs to hear about Christ. Another example, calling someone over the phone to seek forgiveness. Maybe you have a, maybe for, you, for a while you've had this broken relationship with somebody someone that you were once close with, maybe your brother or sister in Christ, and maybe they offended you or you did something to offend them, and now there's that tension, there's that fighting going on. Maybe it's time, maybe the Lord's prompting you to pick up that telephone and just say, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry. We don't, again, completely understand some of these things, but... Lord tells us, He speaks to us, and you know that the Lord is speaking to you. It's another example. Maybe even letting go of certain things or letting go of certain people in your life that you could never imagine being without. Maybe that's what the Lord is prompting you to, and you just you can't picture it. You're like, no way, I can't, I don't, can't imagine not being around that person. That person just is almost like, you know, it makes me laugh, she makes me laugh, or, you know, we're buddies, and, you know, whatever it may be. And maybe the Lord has just been prompting you also, hey, it's time to let go, and let me show you what's on the other side of the mount, other side of the sea. In my case, leaving a safe and comfortable ministry in order to go to the other side of the mountain and begin a new church. You know, yeah, it was in, always in my heart and I always felt the Lord was speaking to me in that, in that way and telling me to do this, but it was comfortable. It was comfortable over there. I mean, I was, you know, one of the leaders there and I was, you know, I was ministering to the youth and all that. But, you know, so coming out here, starting a new church and not knowing what to, you know, it is. It, it, I didn't quite understand it, but I knew that I had to obey. I knew that I had to... to to do what God had called me to do. It's not uncommon for God to ask you to do things that, again, you may not understand. Read any biography from any Christian man or woman. You'll see how powerfully God used them when they simply obeyed what God asked of them. They just took that step of faith. They just, they just said, yeah, okay, Lord, uh, I don't have money in my pockets. I don't know how this, I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I don't know how I'm going to get to the other side of the world to, to, to minister, but I trust you. And sure enough, the Lord provided and the Lord ministered. Some gave up lives of comfort and luxury to serve the poor and needy here and abroad. Some gave up living in safety and security of their familiar environments in order to spread the gospel in hostile and dangerous areas, knowing full well that it may cost them their lives. And many times I've read biographies and I've read these stories of martyrs who were just, they, they understood. They understood that it might cost them their life, but this was a deep calling and they knew they had to do this and as a result there were powerful changes that were made God moved in a powerful way as a result of their ministry and as a result of their of their martyrdom maybe some of you have begun hearing or have been hearing 
God asking you to do something that you may not fully understand yet. Let me ask you, do you think God would ask anything of you that would destroy your faith in Him? Absolutely not. It says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are His creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. Believe me, and I speak from experience, it's not always easy to say, Okay, God, I'll cross over to the other side of the sea. However, He won't ask you unless He believes you're ready. But deciding to act, deciding to take that step, depends on the amount of trust that you have that He'll be with you the entire way. Then, this is, this is what's so great, then when you get to the other side, not only will you begin to understand why He called you there, why he called you to go there, but you will see how God will begin to use you in ways you can't even imagine. And that's what he's shown me time and time again. Every time I take that step. And I know that he's, again, that he's going to do something good within the work that we're doing here. And he's going to do something good in the work that he's doing in your life. And again, he's preparing you to go to that other side of the sea. Now let's continue. Look, look, look at verse 37. Verse 37 says, A fierce windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. Now, just a little bit more details in the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is located about 70 miles northeast of Jerusalem. It's about 13 miles wide. I'm sorry, 13 miles long and about 8 miles at its widest. Now, I won't get into the full geography. I'm not going to get into but the way it's situated, due to the way it's situated, and how it's set in between or around mountainous areas or mountainous terrain, it's well known that lake is well, has been well known uh, to see sudden and severe storms. Again, these fishermen would have known this. They would have been aware of it. So for the disciples that had fished there for years, you would think that they would have had the experience to deal with a typical storm. But according to the reaction they had, this wasn't just your typical regular storm. Now, in the original Greek language, this was an extremely violent storm. The kind where the wind and the rain is just furious and powerful. I know I've used, I've used the term furious in the middle of summer when the sun is beating down on my face. And I'm like, oh, the sun is just mean right now. You know, but this is just this is a violent and furious storm. So much so that um, it was so much so that it was the waves were bringing in so much water that the boat was beginning to be swamped. Now I've seen some scary storms, but I think, and I would imagine that this was a storm that was far more scarier than any of those storms. I mean, we've already seen some storms here. We've heard it, the rain pounding and the wind blowing. And, you know, we got here in 2006 when everything flooded and it was just crazy. And it looked like El Paso was going to drown and, or it was going to go underneath the, the, the water. We've been in, I've seen them. But I think this storm was far more than I think any of us can imagine. One of the most memorable moments of, of being on a ship was when, when, my, when I was in the, in the Marines and our unit was on its way to go to Kuwait in 2003. We were in an amphibious ship and I remember sleeping on those little tight bunks that they have on, the, on these naval ships. And I, I was tired, I, I crashed out and 
And all of a sudden, I start dreaming that I was on a Ferris wheel. And next thing you know, this Ferris wheel came off its, its hinges and just started rolling on its own. It just started, just went off and started going. And I'm on this Ferris wheel. And I was completely freaking out. And I woke up, like, scared. I was, and then I realized that the boat, this big amphibious assault ship, was swinging back and forth. When I asked what was going on, they just said, oh, there's a really bad storm outside. Now, I mean, that was, we, the, you were able to feel that storm on that big amphibious ship. Now imagine a small boat going through maybe a storm just as big or maybe even bigger. It's pretty intense. It could be pretty scary. This brings me to my second lesson that, we're, that we can learn from this passage. Focusing on the storm will only bring fear and insecurity. Being a Christian doesn't mean that we'll never have to endure the severe storms of life. But what we can have is the assurance that Jesus Christ will be with us the entire way. He'll be with us during those storms. If, and let me repeat that, if again our focus remains on Him and not on, the, on that storm. We've already seen how, how this storm caught the disciples off guard and how they didn't adequately prepare for it. How can we ensure that we don't make the same mistakes that these disciples made? How, do we, how can we ensure that we don't go through these storms unprepared? I think there are just two ways. And I think this, this list could be endless. But these are just two ways. First, know, understand, and trust that he who is in you is greater than any punch of any storm. If Christ is in you, if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life and the Holy Spirit resides in you, he who is in you is greater than any, any punch, well, any, yeah, any punch from any storm. And secondly, don't forget your life vest. And what I mean by life vest is don't forget that you have Jesus. Again, it's, it's almost similar to the first one. Don't forget about your life vest. Now, I, I, realize, I realize that we can't adequately and fully prepare for a severe storm that may come. The thought of of some of the storms that could be. If I think about them too much, they, 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 it could be overwhelming. And it just could be just really difficult to, to, to handle and deal with. And I tell myself, oh, I don't know how, if this came up or if this happened, I don't know if I'll be able to handle it. And again, sometimes we can't adequately prepare for these storms. But as long as you don't forget that Jesus can and will get you through it, you will have a better sense of security when you are going through it, when you are going through the storms. As long as you don't forget that Jesus can and will get you through it, you will have a better sense of security. If Jesus Christ is able to rescue you from sin and death by dying on the cross for you and for me, be assured that he has the ability to rescue you from any storm that is meant to keep you from fulfilling the plan and purpose he has for your life. And the other thing you need to be aware of is that others are going through the same storm. At the end of verse 36, we're told that other boats were with him. And this is why Christian fellowship is so important. This is why it's so important not to be a lone ranger when it comes to our Christian life. And, and when we're going through these storms and say, you know what, no one understands what I'm going through. No one knows what, you know, what, what's going on. 
But as you see here at the end of verse 36, there were other boats that were there. They knew the severity of these storms. They were going through it themselves. So when you have this fellowship, when you have brothers and sisters in Christ, you can share these things. You can share these thoughts and what you're going through. By meeting other Christians, you will find that others are experienced, maybe experiences and seeing the same exact thing. And you have that fellowship and, you, and, and the Lord can strengthen you. And the Lord can, you, you guys can share in each other's burdens and share in each other's joys when you finally come out of that storm. So while all this is going on, let's see what Jesus is up to. Picking up in verse 38. But he, Jesus, speaking about Jesus, was in the stern sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said, said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Wait, what? Jesus is sleeping. What do you mean he's sleeping? And he's sleeping on a cushion on the back part of the, of the boat? Sleeping through a killer storm? How could he? How could he just fall asleep when all this is going, this big storm and the, the, the waves are crashing in the boat and the water is filling, I mean, the boat is filling up with water. How could he just sleep through that? See, Jesus didn't fall asleep because he didn't care. He didn't fall asleep because he was like, you know what, this, this, this is your problem. I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. You deal with it. That wasn't it at all. He fell asleep because, I, first of all, he was human. And just like every other human, he got exhausted. He just gets tired. And more importantly, second of all, he absolutely trusted in his father's word. Well, this is where we see our third lesson in this passage. Jesus sleeps when the wind blows. Have you ever slept through a severe storm, and an, an actual physical storm, and not even been aware of it? I know I have. And it's a, again, it's a trip when you do wake up. Again, going back to when I was in Iraq in 2003, we had just been we had just pushed from Kuwait to Iraq and and we had just received intel that things were pretty calm and and uh, you know we can we can finally get some rest and I decided hey you know I'm tired of sleeping crunched up in this vehicle with my feet bent and my you know I wanted to lay out so I decided hey you know what I'm gonna sleep on top of the Humvee and just you know, zip the you know, sleeping bag up and, and crash out. I was feeling pretty relaxed, you know, I was like, okay. And so I put my M16 next to me, you know, zipped it all the way up to my, my past my head and just passed out. Little did I know was that there was a severe sandstorm that had just occurred that was going on. So when I woke up, and I saw the, saw the break of light. I unzipped it. I unzipped the sleeping bag. And I was just covered, completely covered in sand. And I was like, what? What happened? How could I just, how could I just sleep through this? You know? And I had been through a few sandstorms on, on our way up to when we were pushing up to Baghdad. And, I mean, they're pretty... They're pretty they can be pretty severe. And, and again, I just remember thinking to myself, where does all this sand come from? What, what's going on here? It was, a, it was really a weird experience. This is one of those verses that show us, first of all, as I mentioned, the humanity of Jesus. He got tired just like I was at, during that time. And just like maybe you have been several times, he just was really exhausted and really tired. And when you're really exhausted and tired, sometimes you're just going to pass out. 
You're just going to fall asleep regardless of what's going on around you. Another aspect about Jesus that we see in this verse is that he had complete assurance in his Father's plan and purpose. Jesus was able to sleep when the wind blew because he had assurance that God was going to get him to the other side of the sea and the disciples were going to be okay. He had that assurance. Jesus, you know, Jesus had said in, in John 17, 6 that God had given them these disciples. If God had given them these disciples and, and this was God's will, do you think he would just let them depart and leave and just... No, he, this was something that was just part of a plan. So he had that assurance that nothing was going to happen to them. He had that, that peace. Unfortunately, as I already mentioned, the disciples were so focused on the storm that the fear of, of the immediate threat before them overtook the security they felt and had already demonstrated towards Jesus. Many of them had already demonstrated their faith in Jesus. They already had demonstrated that they had trusted in him. Again, we, have, we saw the story of Levi, the tax collector, who just had a pretty good gig going on and was like, ah, I, I need to, I'm going to let this go. Jesus asked him to follow him and, and, and he dropped everything and started following Jesus. Same thing with, with uh, Peter and his brother. They just left things and had entrusted themselves to Christ. Then, so look again at their response when they saw him sleeping. Again in verse 38, at the end, at the last part of verse 38. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Don't you care that we're going to die, Jesus? Right there in his face, like, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? I think everything they had already seen, everything that they already had done and, and, and experienced just completely went out the window because of that fear. In, the, in their fear, they began to question Jesus' commitment to them. They started to forget. They started to question, Jesus, are you really there for us? Look, we're about to die. Look at the storm. Look at, look at what's going on here. Look at my life. It's about to be over. Don't you care? Began to question Jesus' commitment to them. When we're scared, when we're living in fear, there's a tendency to do and say things that we otherwise wouldn't when we're in a relaxed and in a calm mood. Think about the last major trial you had in life, in your life. Think about the last time you really went through a major storm in your life. Honestly, during that time, did you ever question if God cared about what you were going through? Did you ever ask God, don't you care about what's going on? Don't you care that, you know, this, I'm about to, this is about to happen? I know because I have. If you answered yes, then you should understand why the disciples responded the way they did. Now, if you're one of the few that said no, let me ask you, how many times, how many storms and trials did you have to go through to get to that point? How many storms did it take? How many severe trials did it have to take before you got to the point where like, no, I, I have my safety and security in Jesus. It took me a long time. It took many storms. So honestly, I can't cast the first stone to how they responded. I can't cast that first stone. I can't say, you know what? You guys suck. I can't say that. You see, there were times when I've been terrified, where I've been so terrified of some of the severe storms that I was in that I found myself saying, 
don't you care what I'm going through? I understand. I do get, I do get what's going on here. But this is something the Lord has taught me along the way. This is something that He's shared with me and taught me, and maybe this is something that's also that He's also taught you. But now I want to pass on to you, if you haven't, if you, a lesson the Lord taught me. During severe trials, fear will lead to insecurity. Insecurity will lead to doubt. And when you begin to doubt God's promises, it'll be easier for the devil to tempt you to find relief elsewhere. You're going to be looking, I'm not, God, I'm not getting the answers and the, and the, the satisfaction of that safety in what's going on here. I mean, I, I don't think you understand. I don't think you know what I'm going through. I'm going to go find something else that is going to satisfy. That is going to meet my immediate need. And again, I know from experience that it doesn't work. You will always come back running. You will always come back running to God. All those things that the devil tempts you with, you will never find pure, like you will never find satisfaction and you will never find that relief. So when you're in the midst of a storm, keep in mind the words of James 1.12. A man who endures trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So let's finish the rest of the story. Read again with me as we start in verse 39. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Okay, let me just actually stop there for, for a minute. Let me repeat what he said, because I don't think I, I put the correct inflection on it. He looked to the sea and said, Silence! Be still! Now, I have, I have to keep it, tone it down a bit because I'm indoors and there's a baby sleeping and I don't want to scare, you know, I don't want to scare any babies, but, you know, can you imagine on a, in a very loud windstorm how loud he had to get and how he said it? I'm sure he said that those words with every strength, every vocal cord that he had, he just screamed it as loud as he could. Silence, be still. But this is after the disciples had woken him up. And that first part, again, going back just a little bit to, to, uh, to verse 38, and when he was sleeping. If, if you know me, and you know the kind of person that I am, and the schedule that I have, I'm the kind of person that values the few hours of sleep that I get. Sometimes, I mean, honestly, I, my schedule, I, sometimes I'll sleep like four hours, four or five hours. This is during the daytime. So I value it. I value every hour, every minute of sleep that I, that I can get. Now, one of the worst things that anyone can ever do to me is to wake me up suddenly when I'm sound asleep. Now, my kids know what happens. Yeah, Bella knows. Yeah, I'm, Jacob sometimes will laugh at me. You know, when I'm woken up all of a sudden, it's like, it's like I'm freaking out. I'm like, what, what the heck's going on? You know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm like in a different place. It's just an absolutely awful feeling. That feeling of just like being woken up all of a sudden. But what's even worse, and again, I've experienced this, is being awakened with someone in my face screaming at me. That is horrible. I think that's like pure evil right there. For anyone, even if it's just joking, it's an awful, again, it's an awful feeling 
for me, it, it, it would be better for you to throw me off an airplane without a parachute and to wake me up in that, in that way. Probably have a heart attack, you know? It's just, again, that awful feeling. Well, here in verse 39 and 40, we see how Jesus reacted when he was awakened by the 12 men that were completely freaking out, that were in his face yelling, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Rather than yelling at his disciples and telling them, shut up and calm down, Jesus gets up, walks right past them, and looks at the ocean and tells the sea and the waves, shut up, be quiet, calm down. Weird, right? I mean, you imagine, again, if it were me, I probably would have told these disciples, what's wrong with you? You know, what's, get out of my face. Let me keep sleeping. But Jesus did something extraordinary here. He didn't tell them, hey, shut up, calm down. He told the sea, the waves in the sea, calm down, shut up and calm down. If the disciples weren't already dumbfounded by the sight of Jesus sleeping after this, during this killer storm, or through this killer storm, how much more perplexed do you think they were when they saw Jesus walk right past them and yell at the wind, at the, at the wind and sea? I'm sure they were like, what the heck is he doing? And maybe in their minds they were thinking about something else and that Jesus would do something else or I don't know, that he would pray and just get them, you know. It could be a number of things that they were expecting, but maybe this wasn't one of those things that, what is he doing? Then once the wind, and then after he yells at, these, at the, wind and the wind and the waves, we see that they obey. And after they obey, he, he then turns to them and in what I see as a very patient and tender way, and says, why are you scared? Why are you scared? Why don't you have any faith? Now, it appears that this may have been a rhetorical question because they don't give a respond back. What we see instead is that they begin to ask one another, really? Who? Who is this? Really, who is, who, who is this? Who is, who, it says in the last part of verse 41, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. What we're told in verse 41 is that they began to experience a different kind of fear. A different kind of fear overcame them. Not a fear like they felt towards the storm. Not that kind of a fear. But rather, a according to the Greek word for this particular word, terrified, it's the feeling of being startled and amazed at what they had just witnessed. Completely shocked. In Luke 8.25, it actually says they were afraid and marveled. Now, the best way I can, I can try to describe maybe this type of feeling is it's kind of like that look my wife would probably give me if she came home after a hard day's work and I had a full course dinner prepared for her. <laughs> that, and I told her I cooked it all myself. Not for the kids, just for her. Just kidding. But she would be astonished, amazed, probably a little bit of fear, like, hey, what's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, what's, what's your deal? You know? As you, as you can tell, it's not, it doesn't happen. So, I mean, so yeah, it would, it would completely freak her out. So they went from freaking out about the storm to now freaking out about Jesus, like, what's the deal with him, you know? You see, you see, the reason they were freaking out and they, they were amazed and, and startled and and had this, this, again, terrified, was that this was the first time that they, that they saw a display of Jesus' power that didn't involve another human being. Prior to this, 
He had been healing people. Miracles had occurred. You see, healing a withered hand was one thing, but commanding obedience from the, from the wind and the sea was something else. Now he was telling the wind and sea, stop, shut up. This was something new. There may come a time that after you cry out to Jesus, he immediately calms a life storm. You cry out to Jesus, Lord, rescue me, help me. I'm, don't you know I'm going to die? And next thing you know, he does. He helps you. He's there. He calms the storm, that storm of your life. Just don't be surprised if he calms the storm in a way or manner that is distinctly different than what you expected. You may have expected him to, okay, Lord, if, if you're going to calm the storm, do it this way. Don't be surprised if he completely does, he calms that storm differently than what you thought he was, what you wanted him, how you wanted him to, to, to calm it. If you witness God do things that have completely blown you away and you still struggle with fear and insecurities, he may also ask you, why do you still live in fear when you know that you have a good and wonderful God that, has o- that always has your best interests in mind? He always has your best interests in mind. Why are you still living in fear? Why after seeing God do all these amazing things and calm storms of your life, are you still living in fear? And then the other question, where does your continued lack of faith stem from? Where does it, why do you still lack faith? Why are you still struggling with these elemental, elementary issues? After seeing God do some amazing and powerful things, could it be, and this is my question to you, could it be that you just haven't completely surrendered your life over? Could it be that you're still holding on to things that God wants you to let go of? Well, maybe it's time you let go of those things and begin to hold on to God, to hold on to the cross. Maybe it's time to just get that baggage that you've been holding for years, months, whatever, and just drop it and say, you know what, Lord, this is yours. You take it. Complete surrender. That takes a lot of strength. I know that takes a lot of, you know, it takes a lot of faith. But again, you got to understand who you're giving it to. You're not giving it to a man. You're not giving it to a philosophy. You're not giving it to, you know, some wise sage that used to live. You're giving it to God Almighty who wants nothing but goodness for you, who wants to bless you, who died on the cross for you, who bled, was beaten, was beaten and, and bled for you, who was nailed on the cross for you. He knows exactly, exactly what you need. All you have to do is just let go of it. Let go of those things you're holding on to. Trust him. Trust him completely. Maybe it's time you stop living in fear and start living life the way God planned and purposed for you. And as you begin living this way, as you begin living, as you start surrendering these things over to God, Storms will begin to appear more like heavy clouds that are temporarily obscuring, that are just passing by and are just obscuring the beauty that's behind them. I do. I I, I enjoy those nice, beautiful El Paso skies when it's not hot. (laughs) You know? But these storm clouds, 
as you begin to surrender, will not be storms anymore. It will be more like heavy clouds. And you know that behind the heavy cloud is, is the sky, the sun, and the warmth of God's glory. telling you just that God is amazing and you have to and, and wait and see what he has in store for you on the other side of the sea. Trust him. Trust Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word you gave us. Thank you for your amazing son that you sent to die for us. Lord, I ask that you help us in our unbelief, help us in our unfaithfulness, help us during those times that we just, we feel like we're on our own and that you've left us and abandoned us or you just don't care. Lord, continue to reveal to us and show us that you are just always there. And during those quiet times, all you're doing is showing us, or all you're doing is seeing what, what, how we're going to react to these storms. Help us understand that, Lord. Lord, I pray for each and every one of these people, each and every person here, Lord. Meet them where they're at. Strengthen them. Strengthen their faith. Strengthen their love towards you. And may something in this message, in the message that I spoke on today, Lord, the, in your word, that you allow it to penetrate in their hearts, Lord. They may be able to understand you more. They may be able to just see you for the wonderful God that you are. Bless the rest of this weekend. Bless every family represented here, every person. Protect them, keep them safe this week, Lord. We just have a great time of fellowship for the rest of this time. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.